It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. It's uh, seven minutes after eight. Thank you so much for staying with us here on uh, AM Live. And it's time now for the Forum at Eight. And this morning, um, it's a Friday, so as usual, we kind of take it easy. <clears throat> the man sitting across from me, I read his book towards the end of last year, and I immediately tweeted him and I said, can you please, please come and speak to us? Uh, because I was really gripped. Uh, there were so many instances where I found, um, you know, resonance with this book that I really wanted to speak to him uh, to learn more about some of these aspects of his life. And he's a remarkable man. He's defied the odds uh, to live a life of success and to become a role model to many. He was once part of a gang. He attempted suicide and he's battled drug addiction. His life has changed and moved forward to represent our country on the international stage. And our guest this morning, none other than former Springbok rugby player Ashwin Willemser. Thanks so much for coming through. Sakina, thank you so much for having me. And um, yes, I think the feeling is mutual. I've always also been a, a big fan. Um, you know, I like the... The, the, the forum that has been, you know, different discussions. And, you know, when you say take it easy, um, I think easy has a new meaning. It is, a, you know, a way of inspiring us, a way of, you know, making us think about, you know, our purpose and what we want to do in life and so forth. And, you know, I'm, I'm humbled by the introduction. So, so thank you so much. No, thank you. We really appreciate you coming through. Now, <clears throat> Ashwin, I must say, there were so many thoughts going through my mind as I started reading your book. And it was recommended to me by one of our colleagues, uh, one of our senior producers here, Titi. And he said to me, Sakina, you have to have to read this book. And I said, okay, Titi, oh, Ashwin, and there's the green guard that we've come uh, to know smile. so well, <laughs> that green smile. And uh, the title of the book, Rugby Changed My Life, the Ashwin Willemse story. And... I was I, I was totally gripped from the start wow. where you talk about, you know, as a young boy. And I was quite impressed by your vivid memory of what it was like, even at a young age, uh, your dreams, your aspirations. But the way in which you tell the story of how that dream, how difficult it was just grappling with having a dream that others did not necessarily see and, you know, engage you on. And, and, and maybe we can start right there. Well, I, I think, you know, when you talk about the difficulty of having a dream and trying to make that happen and sharing that with people around you, I think all of us say that to some extent it becomes difficult to um, articulate exactly what you see for yourself, the dream, the vision that you have for yourself. And I, I think I was no different. It, you know, it was that challenge of living in an environment where you see yourself as you know, something more, something better. And how do you, how do you, how do you share that with people um, you know, that's with you um, day to day and explain to them that, you know, I actually see myself running out in the field playing for the Springboks. And, you know, that's like, I, I sound like a stand-up comedian. And I said that, um, you know, growing up, because it was these sort of things that is, it's unattainable. You cannot achieve it. You know, you are not, you're not part of that elite grouping of people that are destined to become a professional rugby player. So that's the difficulty of when you're surrounded with people who, one is not that they don't have the the, the skills, the talent, um, even the belief. It's just that it's so unreal and unachievable that they don't even bother 
to believe and dream that they sometimes can achieve that. And I think that was probably one of the, the, the most challenging things. When you talk about you know, how it's been captured in the book, I think that's a combination of you know, various factors. Um, partly that I was able to remember some of it. Um, but, you know, I have to congratulate also the, the writers. Peter Bills is uh, from the UK and what he's done with the script. But then Heinrich Weinhardt that grew up with me, um, you know, in the same town in Caledon. So he was able to come and put that magic touch to it. We were able to really go in and you know, capture the environment, capture the surroundings, and also how do you then take the, the young Ashwin with his beliefs, his dreams, his visions for himself and bring that through in the story. And I think that's probably what you're referring to when you talk about um, you know, how that have been portrayed with, with, within the book. But this thing about, about dreams, you know, um, uh, it's... It's this phenomenon that we cannot necessarily explain, yet we all have it. Mm. And every so often we all live with that frustration. Uh, And you must just look at like a two, three-year-old kid who's trying to express himself and no one understands him and how frustrated he gets. And I think that's um, almost similar to when we have a dream that we see, we believe, to us it's, it's real, we live it, and yet no one else around us share that same dream and that passion for that dream, you know? But... The other thing that I thought was rather profound was how even as a young child you 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 were very deep if i if I may, in that when you had to stand up My in mom class, would say I was very annoying <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you know your reaction um to people's response to your dream when you had to stand up in class um you know and tell the class what it was mm. and just that reaction and how they responded and how that seemingly stayed with you. And I thought, you know, you were a young child, but it just goes to show uh, that one should never underestimate uh, the power that these sort of negativities actually have on a person, no matter how young they may be. I think we should start off by saying that negativities in itself, you know, should never be glorified that they make you stronger and so forth because it's tough, man. You know, they, there's this thing where they say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurts. I mean, that's a whole lot of crap because the reality is words, it hurts, it cuts deep, it cuts through the bone. And so the negativities, I think, you know, it's it's tough when you in a, a particular situation in your life having to deal with negativities. And no matter what anyone says, um, I, I believe that all of us, when we go through negative challenges, um, and particularly me, you find that you become so depressed. Um, you find that there's no light at the end of the tunnel. But for some coincidence, you manage to get through that. And it's only at that point when you reflect, and Steve Jobs captured it well when he talked about it's only upon reflection where he can now start to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. Because when you're moving forward, you know, there's this way from this side, from that side. And as a young boy, when you talk about how I have dealt with negativity, I think it was, it was fundamentally the belief that I myself had of myself in that there's something more for me out there. And that was, I, I, you know, I think... The, the yardstick for me that allowed me to constantly engage myself and through that engagement with myself find some sort of reasoning and sense for me within which I could then engage with everyone around me. And and that comes due to a, a lot of pressure, a lot of stresses, um, you know, living in your own head um, a, a lot of the time. And that the conversation with oneself sometimes reveals um, things to you that it's it's hard to engage someone else on because how do I engage you on issues that's really 
um, you know, very important to me, but also it's serious, serious matters to me. Mm. And just that, and I mean, we, I grew up in a society where it's not necessary we sit there and now engage our elders and say to our parents, um, listen, I, I think that the way you speak to me is not quite um, all that kosher, so let's just reevaluate mm. that. You know, it's a, get a club, you know. So, yeah. So, so, so it's that self-engagement. And I, I, I also believe it is that internal drive and conviction with which we believe that we are better and we are more than where we are and what we are and what we've been born into. And then, of course, um, growing up, in a small town, mm-hmm. Platalanza Dorpi, yes. and at uh, Oma Maria's house. Oh, yeah. And I think many of us can identify with that, you know, <laughs> growing up with grandparents, because that was part of the legacy of apartheid where, you know, you had little towns where they built houses once upon a time, and they never bothered to build houses whilst these people whom the houses were built for initially had children who had children, and everybody somehow um, had to find a place to stay. And it's a reality that exists across our beautiful country, if you look at it. Um, you know, my grandparents, I mean, these people, I look at them and I say they were a gift from um, above because... It, it, Yes, people who, to them, the, it's the true things that matters in life. It's the true values uh, that they as, uh, aspire to uphold. It is the meaning and the deeper meaning. And they articulate and share this in their own unique way. My grandfather couldn't, he couldn't read, he couldn't write, but he could count money. Um, my grandmother couldn't speak English to save her life. And yet these people were able to, uh, to, to invest in me things that I hold dear to me even up until this day. So, yes, people who had nothing, Mm. if you look at material value and and so forth, they didn't have a lot of wealth, they didn't come from wealth, um, but yet they were able to to give so much of themselves and raise a family. My grandfather, and I talk about it in the book, uh, I I was one of three um, boys growing up there, my auntie's two sons. Neither one of us ever knew our dads. And yet when my grandfather passed away, we were so affected. We were the three that went with him to clean his corpse and prepare him for the, for the funeral. Because he was to us a father. He was a mentor. He was a man, that we, an upright man that we looked um, up to and, you know, that we found solace in. And this is the role that they fulfilled. And in challenging environments, you talk about a, a small town. I think, you know, the small towns on the outskirts, it's not as if though you live on the outskirts of Johannesburg, you go into town and you find something. Mm. It's much tougher to be recognized, to find a way in. And that's where you need the opportunities. That's where you need someone to come identify a spot and give you um, that opportunity to go into the, the, the mainstream of things. But my, grand, my grandparents, I mean, I can't, I can't applaud them enough because for what they've done, not just for me, but how they have become sort of the heartbeat of the the family and how even till this day, you know, that, that sound and that motion, it, it just echoes. They no longer, but, you know, their memory will live on till, till eternity through all of us because of what they have given and invested in us. And uh, speaking to Ashwin Willemser this morning, former Springbok rugby player, and when you talk about, you know, succeeding against the odds, I think Ashwin really epitomizes that. And in his book, uh, Rugby Changed My World, 
it really, you know, takes you through that journey that Ashwin has walked up until this point. The issue of poverty is also one that is highlighted very well in your book. And I read this and I was reading, but there's one thing that struck me when you spoke about sharing a pair of jeans with your mother. <laughs> like, you know, that I had just... to tight that thing, you know, I was like, you, know, you have to make a hole in <laughs> a couple of holes in the belt, and I ch- choke myself in the bed. <laughs> so, so but, but I thought, you know, never in my wildest dreams. I mean, we look at Ashwin Willemse today, and you can't even imagine that these are the sort of humble beginnings that you come from. Um, but clearly it's something that you did reflect on, you wish to reflect upon. And how would you describe that in basically molding the character that you are today? It's my DNA. It is, it is, uh, it's the little blocks that make up who I am. And it's the things that, you know, I can never... I can never wish that away. And I think it has become part of the person that I've become um, today. My mother, I mean, she was a teenager when she had me. And, you know, here's a young woman that's grown up or brought up in an environment where, you know, she doesn't have the necessary means to create a better life for her child. So with her, it was a situation of she did what she had to do in order to raise me. And she she did a phenomenal job uh, because... She never, ever, regardless of the, of the challenges and the circumstances, never, ever did she give up on me. And that is ultimately what's the most important thing. If we always keep on and never give up on the ones that we believe in, regardless of any challenges that we face, you know, we'd be surprised to what the outcome can be. So uh, for me, growing up like that, it was, it was a normal state because you, you can imagine everyone else. I mean, I look at my upbringing, I look at the guy next to me and I think, oh, well, I'm not that bad, you know, because he is mm. this guy a little bit worse. So it's, it's a state of normality. And unless you're able to break the mold, that normality will sustain itself and it will endure over decades and it will continue unless someone is able to just deviate from that path and so everyone else around them that listen there is greener pastors there is a different way of how things should be done there's a better way of living and expressing ourselves and i think i was very fortunate that rugby came my 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 way because talk about rugby changed my world i recall this there was a moment when my mother came to watch a game that I played in, and how that made her feel. How did it make her feel when people congratulated her on in the street? Or uh, listen, well done on your son. Um, you know, I've got a nickname called Stava. It so happened to be my mother's nickname. So it's something that I've inherited from school. And now today, people walk around and say, "Hey, Stava, hey, Stava." So my mother gets this recognition, mm. you know, and. Uh, I, I am a makeup of her. You know, she's my mother. She's the one that birthed me. She's the one that 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 raised me. She's the one that ensured that you know I'm there and I can do what I have to do. So, you know, parents today we have such an enormous role to play in how we assist in ensuring that we allow our children to transcend in their heads. We allow our children to see greater opportunities and that's where we come in and I think it has been an amazing journey to be able to see how 
my relationship with my mother evolved, how her relationship with my children evolved, how our relationship has evolved. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, we could have so easily still be trapped in the mindset, in the lifestyle, in where we were born into, but we were able through somehow, um, you know, some miraculous intervention in this form of rugby to be able to deviate and transcend and move on where now we, we look at ourselves and we recognize that we, we are no more our former self. And I mm. think that's what's important in life is in order to go above and beyond and become better than your former self. And of course, you were always athletic, you know, yep. um, quite the athlete and um, a track field. And um, so I guess it didn't come as a surprise to anybody uh, when you actually excelled at rugby. It's, it's one of those things, you know, where you, you see something, but there's no expectation. So automatically you are surprised because just they because I see, because I see Sakina, so now you know. But I don't expect Sakina to be on SAFM and you know hosting the <laughs> forum. Uh, and now one day I hear, oh wow, you're hosting. So there's that surprise, uh-huh. you know. It's like people talk about, hey, I've been praying for this new car, and then the car comes, and then they the first that's surprised, you know. So it means I'm that, surprised that they were surprised. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and it, it it's not this is it's this thing again of, you know, when when we. When, when we set out goals, there's an element of, ah, it will not, we will not achieve it. You know, I think it's, it's part of human nature to a large degree that where we almost prepare ourselves for failure. Um, but in this instance, I was a, I've dominated um, school athletics and I had mm. this one friend, Arnold Sully, I talked about in the yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. He introduced my best friend. I hated him. But he him. used to beat you. He used to beat me. You know, like, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> you know, so, so between the two of us, it was always this rivalry and we were always going. But imagine there was never the expectation that one day we will grace the fields of South Africa. It turned out that one of us did. Um, and that just shows you how regardless of the talent that exists in all of the, the, the small communities, in the vast majority of this country, there's the talents where I can see a young boy who this guy has got the magical touch. You can see he's moving, but yet no one else around him believe that that boy will one day, you know, go on mm. to play for his country. Where on the opposite side of the street, you find that there's a kid that's half as good, but it's almost like, you know, we look at him and say that you will one day represent, represent South Africa. Because of where you come from. That, but also the conditioning, the mm. mental conditioning. And that's how we must recognize that just because we are impoverished, just because we live um, you know, below the breadline, just because we face difficult challenges and circumstances, we should not limit the capabilities of those that can achieve through our imagination. That is so, 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 so powerful, so profound, uh, because sometimes I think uh, we get bogged down by our circumstances and it's difficult to see beyond what is. But what was also admirable was your rivalry uh, with Arnold, because <laughs> it, 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 it was when you think of rivalry, um, inevitably you think it would turn nasty at right. some point, but it didn't get there. You can't. There was always it's, this beautiful camaraderie between the two of you. And it's a, it's a, it's, it's a wonderful um, um, story if you think about it because we literally, from day one at school, it was me and him. Same age, uh, we one month apart, uh, same uh, grade or standard back then. 
uh, we're always the opposite colors. If I'm red, then he's green. If he's green, then I'm blue. So, always the, so they always matched us um, um, uh, opposite to each other because they could see that there was magic happening between the two of us. And we were able to carry that through right up until the final year in high school. And every so often you find that because of that competition, that there's a natural animosity that develops. Mm. And it happened with a, a couple of other kids. But with me and him, there was uh, a brotherly love that existed where if he ended up beating me, I was very disappointed. But my disappointment couldn't last because I was so happy that he's the winner and vice versa. And up until today, so it's, 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 quite, it's quite interesting how here's two guys who has the very same circumstances, very same upbringing. Um, to some extent, he was better off than me. Mm, because um, you, may, you make mention of that. Yes, and, and how one turns out to go on and represent the country, play in World Cups, and the other one doesn't. So what's the difference? And I think what's the difference between the two? And that, to me, is still a, a phenomenon that, that has gone unanswered because uh, you know, whether it's self-determination, whether it's that um, self-belief, that conviction that I'm going to do it, and you know, again, the conversation with oneself, I don't have the answers. But he was a very important part in my development through the competition and the rivalry that we had between each other because that assisted me to grow as a person, as an individual, and also go on then to face and have a different relationship with my competitors as years go, um, um, would go by because of the nature within which we competed. You know? So, so he, was, he, he was definitely and still remain um, someone that I hold very dear uh, to my heart. And you know, when we talk about issues like that, it's also, again, it brings in at the same time the mentorship. Because we, at, at, for example, Andre the Brain, the coach, that was there and able to mentor and guide us. We had uh, teachers at primary school that was able to guide us, to, to mentor us, and to assist us in, in that relationship. And that's where that aspect becomes critically important as well. And as one of the uh, constants in your life, your teacher, your coach, and, and, and how that helped. And the problem with reading a book is that there are so many things you want to touch on, but of course time does yeah. not permit. But there is a central theme for me that ran through this book, and that was about your relationship with your father mm-hmm. at first the lack of, but then later on how that actually plays on. And I want us to touch on that uh, later on as the show progresses because it's something that I believe many South Africans have to deal with. Uh, you, uh, we, we have programs like Utatako, for example, at the moment, deals with these issues because it's a South African phenomenon through and through. So we'll talk about uh, that more after the news break. And, of course, we'll take calls, 0891-104-208. And you're listening to the Forum at 8 this morning, a conversation with former Springbok rugby player Ashwin Willemser. And, um, Ashwin, before we even get into this, um, I want to play this for you.
that, of course, uh, the late Ricardo. And I must say, uh, this was towards the end of last year when Ricardo died. I immediately thought of you. And I didn't even know that that was your favorite song. I went to your Twitter account and I saw that you had comment. But I guess... It's just the sort of insight I got about the person you were through this book. Um, that theme of this father, the father that you didn't know, and yet there was the strong longing. You know, he was front and center of everything that you were, that you did, and yet you didn't even know him, Ashwin. And, you know, it, it makes my heart skip a beat when you say the late Ricardo, because this year we're talking about a musical genius that was able to 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 sing and bring to life words that resonated with a teenage boy that longed for his daddy for his father i mean we talk about millions of children around the country sitting with that same longing um we had this chat and you with your father and the role of fathers in society. I mean, we can, we, we can never stop talking about the importance thereof. And, you know, I was just very fortunate in that I was able to find solace in a song that was, it was like angels from heaven, you know, whistling music into your soul, into your heart through this song by Ricardo. Um, and, Today, when I, when I look back and I, and I reflect and I think about my father, I, I, you know, I, it, it's scary to think that a young man can grow up not knowing his father when we live in a country where you can fly from the one end to the other end in two hours. And yet, with all the technology and everything, that there's some fathers who's not speaking to their children. It's a scary thought. Let's talk about that because your mom was a teen, she was a teenage mom. Yeah. Was this something that you were able, was it a, a topic, a subject that you were able to broach with your mom? No, no, and understandably so. We were not conditioned to engage on matters of this magnitude. You know, children are children and, you know, bad mm. you know? So we were not, and out of respect for my mom, and I didn't quite, to be quite honest, I didn't know how to engage on this topic and the importance of, of this topic. So a teenage mother, you know, and there she was, this joker coming from Joburg, you know, working on a, on a site um, in Caledon and so happened to meet this uh, lovely girl in December of 1980. They have their, their night of romance in September of 1981. I was born. Two years later, he was gone, <laughs> you know, never to return. You know, what, wh- how, when I discovered, and I talk about it in the book, when I discovered my mother's age at the time when she had me, mm. I went into an emotional, I had an emotional breakdown because only then I realized that my mother's only a few, a few years, was only a few years older than my daughter who now is 12. And now I imagine as a teenager living in the 1980s in apartheid South Africa, imagine then, no real education, you work as a cleaner, you don't have your own home, you're not independent, and here comes this guy, swipes you off your feet, and then disappears. 
my goodness, you know. And then the so kid, who were you angry at? What, no what one. What was the but? But you were no, angry as, as, as a child growing up. I mm. was angry at the void. Now you ask me, what's the void? The void doesn't have a face. That face can be you today. It can be another person tomorrow. And I, I needed to express myself. And that's when the different things start to enter your life, because there's a void. There's something that needs to be filled. There's th- some unanswered questions. That hence. Um, a decade later, two decades later, I went and I searched for this man. Mm, but I, but you tried to fill that void in various different ways. Unfortunately so. And, and that's the scary part because now imagine, and we're all susceptible to something. Um, and if you're a young man um, like I was, yes, a young man growing up, and you know, it's not that you have what you... So let's talk about success. What I imagined success to be um, was the, the, the gangsters in the streets. Mm. So that was my conditioning of what success. So now I'm aspiring to become like them because look at these guys. I mean, they've got everything that I aspire to have. They've got power. They've got a certain level of fame. Um, they get recognition. They, they, you know, so everything that I sort of look at and say, wow, you know, that's that's and you went I, there. You dabbled in most it. Most definitely, because that is what was at that stage to me most appealing. And that's the scary part again as to how we direct the young minds, the young people of today into what real success is. What do we need to aspire to become? And, you know, that void led me to a path of self-destruction. The next thing you know, I was, I was trying drugs. The next thing you know, I got involved with gangs. Mm. Um, this and and if you look at the makeup of a young Ashwin Willemser, he ticked all the boxes as a candidate, and there was no entrance fee. You, mm. know? you can be part of this members club, no no sign on fee, no nothing. You just join. I ticked all those boxes, and so no wonder. And like the passion with which I play rugby, the passion with which I live was the same passion with which I wanted to, to, to throw myself into this life, you know, and that's a scary thing. And, and I want to fast forward because I think for people it's well worth reading, you know, mm-hmm. get the book, read through it, and, and, and you will see what it does for you. Uh, definitely did something for me, but see how this affects you because we often as, as, as young women and we talk about, um, you know, the father figure who's missing and how women tend to attach to all sorts of characters trying to fill that void. And Ashwin pretty much the, the, the relationships he formed with men whom he met in his life is also quite interesting uh, to look at. But fast forward to this father and how you eventually meet up with him. And I have this. Um, so I was I always thought that I was the eldest, um, you know, because my mother had two kids, me and my brother Bertie. And um, so Bertie is my young brother. and I'm the, I'm the oldest. So then I just uh, get to Joburg and I'm, you know, and I go to gr- a great length in the book about the details of mm. it. So, so then I, I discovered um, that I had a sister. Um, so I called, met with my sister, Bonita, um, and a lovely lady. And then I was so disappointed to find out that I was actually the youngest out of all my father's children. <laughs> You know, so he had like four of them, you know, and like, yeah, I was. So it was Bonita, 
it was my my one brother he he passed on he was was killed and then there's another brother and then there was me so i'm number four there's big state of disappointment i thought i was going to come and be the big the big brother but then i realized the devastation that this man has caused then i realized the void that he has left in multiple lives then i recognized how he was unable to fulfill his duty as part of this ecosystem. And that was, it was, you know, it's, imagine you're looking to meet someone for two decades. Mm. And then when you finally get confronted with this being, you realize that, wow, this man on principle have done everything that you wish not to do. And this is so happened to be your father. <laughs> That's quite a, uh, you know, quite a blow. Um, but be that as it may, it was in that moment where, for me, there was a sense of closure, where I was able to meet my siblings, meet my sister, meet my brothers, meet the rest of my family. And whereas for 20 years, if ever I would fill in my family tree, there would be my mother's side. When it comes to the paternal side, it was this blank. There mm. was a name and a surname, nothing more, nothing. Now I can fill in names. I can put in photos. I can put in dates and places and so forth. And that was a beautiful thing for me because it also allowed me to, to, to now get to a point where I can go off into the next phase of, of my life. And um, there was the big meeting when I finally got to meet him. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was it was a an out of body experience and again in the book i talk about how that transpired and what transpired and uh, it 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 is it is a moment i believe where everything just culminates your entire life culminates into this moment where you are confronted with you with the maker of you, the person, the individual, you know? And that is, wow. It was like nothing, no preparation whatsoever could have prepared me for that moment. Um, 20 years later, when I then had that moment, I realized yet again that the onus is on me whether or not I will be a perpetuation of him or whether or not I will live to be a, be self, create a new identity of self mm -hmm. and where I would be able to, to draw from other people. Um, and today, you know, you talk about father. So today, and there's, there's, there's one man in particular. So I, you know, I stopped playing and then I went over to Supersport. Um, and there's um, one of the one of the the, the directors at Supersport, uh, Graham Abrams. Here's a man who you look at him and you look at his children and you can see how he has guided his children. You can see how, as a father, he's invested in his family. I am not a relative of his. I came into Supersport from a rugby playing background. Now here it's foreign territory and you know all these years later 
Here's someone who was willing to take me by the hand and assist me, guide me, help me. And that's the role that fathers should play, not just to our children, but to ev- because every child is our child. And every child needs a father. 100%. And then you don't go to his funeral. Wow. Um, I was on my way. And it's in the book. I was on my way. But I just said, no, I'm not going. Ask me why. And I don't know. I just said, no, I'm not going. Um, I, I, I wrote a, a, a poem that was, was read at the funeral. But I decided not to go. Um, I have visited his uh, gravesite um, afterwards, but I didn't, I didn't go and attend the funeral. Because remember, now we're talking six months. Huh? So it was, yes, about six months after, and he's gone. Imagine that. Gone. Dead. And so, yeah, I was still in a state of confusion because I then discovered the the longing for a father, for my father, created so much of a void and such a, a deep-rooted pain and agony that I didn't even know existed at the time. So when I finally got to meet him, he was gone. He was removed from my memory to a point where I could not even retrieve him whatsoever. So it wasn't like I would wake up there. There was no reference to him in my entire life. Now, 20 years later, I'm a grown man. I'm an adult, um, a father myself. So he was, there was nothing there. And that's when I realized how sometimes we, we, we put things aside. We oppress certain things that hurt us so much so that it's, they're parked away somewhere in a dodgy bottom side of one's brain that can never be retrieved because it was just a sustained hurt over such a long period of time. And that is what happened to my father. So why I didn't attend, I still don't have the answer. Well, you're listening to Ashwin Willemse. And yeah, I know, 30 seconds, you'll all have to wrap it up after the break. You'll have 30 seconds to say something. And guess who's on the line? Graham Abrams. And usually we open the lines a lot sooner, but uh, so much to get into with Ashwin Willemser. And uh, we did just skim, but uh, let's take some calls. 891 short, sharp, to the point. Uh, Graham Abrams in Cape Town. You know, as Ashwin was talking about you, I saw your name on the screen. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning, Ash. Um, you, you know, Sakina, I, I was listening this morning. I normally, when I drive normally, I, I listen to you. And um, I, I don't think you could have chosen a better topic this, uh, so early in the year. Now, I, I suppose I can speak for hours about Ash and about his book, but uh, let's couple that. Um, there are two things that come to mind immediately. It was very easy, as, as happens in sport, for Ash to have written a sensationalist book and probably sell a couple of copies and make a few rand out of it. Instead, he chose to write an inspirational book. Uh, inspiration for wannabe Springboks, wannabe Proteas, but also just for kids from Caledon, kids from the Cape Flats. And 
when the reason why I called him is when you decided to play that song from Ricardo. Mm-hmm. Now, like you, I had no clue that that was close to Ash's heart until you played it. But my two sons who Ash referred to, they grew up on that song. The youngsters on the Cape Flats grew up with that song. They may, many of them may have had fathers in absentia, but uh, by my little, my eldest son today, um, he couldn't pronounce the R, and he would say yo. Okay, so I think what you have done this morning is a fantastic exercise for tens of thousands, millions of young South Africans out there who think there is no hope in life for them. There is opportunity. They need to get, and this is what Ash has done. He got out of his comfort zone. He took the opportunities, and he made it work. And you know what? He spent so much time carrying this message into communities all over the country, across the Cape Flats. Ash, it's an emotional moment, I know, but continue the good work that you're doing, the unseen work, the unheard of work. And many, many more Ashes will come to the fore. Thank you, uh, Sakina, and thank you for having Ashwell on your program. Thank you so much, uh, Graham. Uh, and, and the messages that are coming through basically echo what uh, you say. And then, uh, Diane, you're in Durban. Diane, thanks so much for your patience. That's no problem. Um, thank you, Sakina, for an outstanding program. And Ashwin, all I can say is that I can barely speak with the tears running down my face. But you are just such an ambassador for South Africa, and you're such a wonderful man. Just continue to do whatever you've been doing all your life. And I take my hat off to you and I wish you the very best. God bless you always. Thank you. Thank you so much, Diane. And I, and I can just tell you, as you say, you, you struggling to hold back the tears, Ashwin can't hold back his any longer. And, and it, it's great to hear that, you know, this has touched so many people in so many ways. Let me read some of the messages. Uh, Major General says, a touchy forum, uh, this one, Sakina. Sanesi says, I was initially skeptical, to be honest, but now I've learned a lot about this man. He's a good man, and I will check out his book. Wilson Tladi says, I know exactly what Ash means I also didn't get to bury my dad because I was very weak and torn. Um, we were very close and I can resonate with what he is saying. Nevin Pillay's uh, contribution, what honesty and inspiration, a uh, great interview and uh, Quena and others, Moses and Tuli, uh, Heinrich uh, Weinhardt, he's uh, busy tweeting away. So thanks to everybody. But let's hear from Cedric Frolik who's calling in. Good morning and it's not about parliament. Good morning. <laughs> No, it's not at all, not at all about <laughs> Parliament. Again, good morning and everything was the best for the year. No, just to call in and to say great work, Ash. We really appreciate working with you, the unselfish work that you're doing. All the communities also here in the Eastern Cape, things that people don't hear about. Your book is truly an inspiration to all of us. And we look forward to further continued good work with you, Ash. When you don't go for the sensation, you go for the hard work. And that person personifies the life that you've had. Carry on with it, my brother. Thanks so much, Cedric. Thank you so much. Um, Mushe says, wow, Ashwin Willemson knows how to articulate uh, what many young people feel but can't. Uh, rugby isn't his only talent. Uh, Tebe says, inspired by Ashwin, his story can change many youth like me. Uh, can he donate his book to me or can listeners buy one for me? 
I will buy one for you. But also Ashwin has uh, has been telling me he will be embarking on a road show. Uh, so maybe you can just briefly talk about that. Yeah, we're planning on going throughout um, the month of uh, month of March uh, throughout the country because, uh, you know, I, I just recently went to Cape Town and I took a, uh, a drive down and I went into Langsburg. And in Langsburg, uh, driving in the streets, there were so many people that came out just ordinary people coming out of their houses. I and mean, I've never been to Langsburg before, never been into the community. And, you know, I luck- so happened to have uh, a box of, of books in the car. So I ended up, you know, distributing the books and so forth. And um, the, the whole national book tour is something that we've worked on for quite some time. And last year with the World Cup and stuff, the timing didn't quite work out. But I've, I've realized now that it's something that we'll have to do because the, the reality is, is that our stories are universal. And it's about time that we start to share our stories so we can see that there's no, that there's no difference in Ashwin and so many of the callers and the listeners. And that if an Ashwin can do it, then anyone else out there can also achieve his goals, his dreams. And it's just that about how do we engage each other positively. So more details will follow um, on that. Well, Ashwin, thank you so much. Uh, for honoring this engagement and, uh, yeah, touching lives this morning. And I'm sure we'll speak to you more about certain aspects that are raised. I, I, I cannot thank you enough for the opportunity. Thanks for what you're doing. Um, thanks for the invitation. And, um, you know, go, go above and beyond. Continue the great work that you're doing. You are an inspiration to me, so many others. And for you to create a platform of, this magnitude just so also your contribution that you make on a daily basis into all our lives so continued success for you and your show I'm truly humbled and uh, that's where we're going to leave it for this morning thank you so much Ashwin Willemsa thanks to the listeners and uh, thanks to the production team have a fantastic weekend it's 9 o'clock and time for news with Zikona Miso